Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and I am joined today. Today's going to be a very interesting conversation. I'm going to get very passionate because it's a topic that I am very passionate about, a little geeky about, and that is processes and systems within your business. And so today I'm joined by Kate Guillen, who is the founder and lead coach of a company called Simplicity Operations Management. Kate, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. I got someone from your organization reached out to me and you know, I get a lot of like, hey, we want to be on your show, whatever. Most of the time I'm like, nah, not, not interested. This isn't relevant to my, to my audience and the people I'm trying to add value to. And so I think her name was Courtney Riggin. I think she had to email me and I'm like, this is exactly who I need on the show. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. So I'm really happy. And so for those of you that are listening, you know, you want to check us out definitely on, you know, we have a YouTube channel, so you can see Kate and I talking and going through our stuff. And if you can follow me, I talk in my hands a lot. So, but this, you know, this show also comes in a very timely manner because we were supposed to do this show a few days ago and I had to cancel because I had a client come in at a decent sized RIA, two partners of an RIA come in for some coaching. And one of the things that we realized, which I'm starting to see a pattern of, is you know, so they were like an RIA by accident. They've accumulated 500 million bucks. I had another one that's like a billion dollars, and they don't really know how they got there, other than they just kept bringing clients in, and now they have this real business, right? They went from being a practitioner at a at a wirehouse firm to running this business, and they get stuck. And part of our conversation this week was like, what do we do to to systematize? what we're doing because we can't do it all, right? We have an assistant, but she can't do things. So I'm, you know, I'm doing the reporting and I'm sending out this and emails and stuff like that. So this, literally this, this podcast couldn't have come at a better time. So for my audience, Kate, why don't you just maybe explain a little bit about who you are and where did this, you know, simplicity operations management come from and how does it help advisors? All right. You got it. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I've been working in the financial services industry for about 10 years. I started at a broker dealer and eventually left the broker dealer for an RIA. I've always worked in an administrative capacity, started as a CSA, joined the RIA as an operations manager. And when I joined the RIA, that was my first introduction to a CRM. And at the time, we were using Redtail as our CRM, and I was lucky enough to attend one of Redtail's Redtail Universities, which is an awesome crash course in the overall functionality of the system. And with the, the RA that I was working at, we were really only using Redtail as like a glorified Rolodex, all right? And so like we had client contact information, but we were not taking advantage of all of the other bells and whistles that, that Redtail has to offer. So that's like 98% of the advisors out there. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And so after attending the event, it completely blew my mind all that the system was capable of, which was a heck of a lot more than a glorified Rolodex. And I recognize I, like you, am a systems and operations geek. And I recognize that if I sunk in some serious time, the system has the capability of really solving a lot of the operational issues that were affecting our firm, kind of like the guys that you're talking about. 
We were in a hyper growth mode. We had a relatively new team. We were constantly reinventing the wheel every single time we went to do something. And I recognized that if we just standardized the way we operated and incorporated things like workflows and a task management system and a calendar management system and a pipeline management system, our lives would be infinitely easier. So I did just that. And I took, you know, at the time I was the most senior person on the team. So I was heavily relied upon for what are we doing? What are we doing next? You know, who is this? How do I find this? Where is this at in the server? And I recognized if I just took all of that information out of my brain and documented it in Redtail and tasked it out to the appropriate people on my team, everybody could operate independently and we could deliver that high touch client service experience over and over and over again without things slipping through the cracks, balls being dropped, or, you know, having to go to five and six different systems that we were using to figure out what we were working on. And so I recognized by way of this Google forum that I was a member of that there were a lot of advisors out there that used Redtail that didn't have an ops person in their office to build out these processes for them. They were all just kind of figuring it out, wheels spinning, wasting tons of time without any real knowledge of how how the system functioned. And I thought, man, wouldn't that be a cool business idea? So I started Simplicity Ops as a way to offer my expertise to help, you know, advisors and their teams design and implement scalable processes within their CRM to deliver a high-touch client service experience, you know, save themselves and reclaim their time and be spending more time doing what it is that they love doing what they're good at and not in the minutia of running, you know, the, the technology of their practice. Wow. So this is right along the lines of, a new book that I'm reading by Dan Sullivan, who is very, many people know him. He does strategic coach, a new book that came out called it's who not how. And right. And so a lot of people, which I gave these guys one of the books when they were here, because they kept saying, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to do this? And, and I went, no, no, it's not how it's who is going to help you do that so that you can go out and do what you do best. And that is go in and find client assets, right? I'm trying to get them convince them to hire a, a chief operating officer to help them with those things. Cause I'm like, why are you interviewing? Not that assistants aren't important, right? They are critical to the organization, right? But, you know, if you look at what their hourly, hourly rate is per, you know, based on what they make, spending time interviewing support staff is not a good use of their time when they, you know, in their world, their average client is about 5 million to $10 million. So like that's where they need to go. So anyway, you know, I do talk to a lot of advisors, RIAs, and this is the key concern of ours. So from your perspective, and, you know, there's Redtail, there's Salesforce, there's you know, any number of Microsoft Dynamics, there's all sorts of systems, but I would say probably Redtail and Salesforce are the two biggest ones. And exactly to your point, advisors use maybe 10% of what the system is designed to build. ACT, I guess ACT. People still, I think, use ACT. I don't know if yeah, they do or not, but, blocks. you know, yeah. But I, I think that from what I, my experience, Redtail and Salesforce seem to be the best at integrating into all the other systems. So from your perspective, what are the, like, the three main areas that advisors should be looking at right away? So let's say I'm an advisor, I'm having these problems, you come in and you say, listen, here are the three things you need to automate right out of the gate? So we obviously 
preach that the CRM should be the hub of your practice. I am a firm believer that your CRM should be where you go for anything client related and anything, you know, operational in nature or firm related. So I'll, I'll give you five things. Okay. So we've got five core. Five is better than three. So that's okay. good. Yeah. We've got five core competencies, which are like the five key features of the CRM contact management, task management, calendar management, pipeline management, and account management. And what I mean by this is, so advisors are notorious for, for chasing you know, the bright, shiny objects. And one of the things that I see a lot, which is a, a common mistake that I see a lot of teams run into is they chase all these bright, shiny objects and they pile on too much tech without having built the foundation first. And the foundation is your CRM. And like the foundation of the foundation is the contact structure. Who are the contacts in your database? They all need to be labeled in some sort of organized fashion. I actually have a resource on my website. You guys are welcome to go check out called a style guide that essentially is like a hierarchy of how to organize contacts in your database. And this sounds so silly, but it is so important and something we run into so often where teams don't use their Sierra because they can't find anything. And Unless it's organized, you're never going to be able to find anything. So starting at that contact level, building out that foundation, and then standardizing the way you manage tasks. Before you get into that, so contact structure, can you give me an idea of what you mean by that? Sure. So like in Redtail, I'll, give, I'll use Redtail as the example. You have statuses at the highest level of organizing contacts in your database. Then you have categories to explain people's rank within their status. Then you have keywords to further categorize someone within their category. And essentially what this does is from a reporting standpoint, it allows you to run a report on, let's just use this as an example, all clients. And then clients by a specific type, tier one, two, three, and four that we've, you know, segmented our book of business based on what type of people that they are or, you know, whether they meet our AUM threshold or our advocacy threshold or whatever, right? We kind of organize the contacts at that level. And then we use a keyword or an additional filter to explain what their interests are. Do they make qualified charitable distributions? Do they have a, a RMD requirement annually? So that we can find the information that we're looking for for the various contacts in our database. And if you check out the document that I'm talking about on my website, it basically standardizes the way I, I would organize my database because there's more than just client contacts in there. We've got COIs, we've got businesses, we've got relatives of clients. You got to build all of that out in your CRM first to make things like assigning activities possible, right? We, we want to assign tasks, appointments, phone calls, and activities to our client record so we can build out a historical timeline of these relationships, right? Also for compliance purposes, if it's not in your CRM, it didn't happen as they say, right? We need to have the contacts in the database well-organized so that we can link activities and notes and any sort of follow-up action items to you know, deliver our client experience and follow through on the promises we, we make to our clients. And I take the team through a process of really standardizing this. And, and what I like about it so much is that on the receiving end, from an administrative standpoint, it very clearly articulates what is expected of me. What do I need to do? What is the timeline in which I need to get it done? What are the priorities and expectations and who is it assigned to? And then we use workflows in combination with tasks or activities to tell us then how does our team handle that request? So you were talking about repeatable processes and, and building a scalable practice, right? That is nearly impossible if you don't have standard operating procedures. 
So in my world, anything that is repeatable is workflowable. Therefore, we standardize the way your team handles all of those repeatable processes, documents them in a workflow format, and your your who, not how. Go ahead. You're saying workflow processes. Can you explain to everybody the difference between a, a process and a workflow? Sure. So the way we use the two... So to me, a process is a workflow and we use within the database, we use activities and workflows in combination with one another, meaning I'll add a task within the CRM that says, Hey, Frank, I need you to change a bed. And I'm getting into the week here, but we use all sorts of automators that then launch the Benny change workflow. So you're not having to reinvent the wheel of, you know, how to change a Benny. We've standardized in a workflow format, which essentially is a chronological timeline of step one, two, three, and four that you need to execute a Benny change. And so this then is how we create that scalable, repeatable process. And then when designing workflows, we go through you know, a process with our teams to identify who is the best person on the team suited to do whatever that request or activity or workflow is. So then the workflow is automatically assigned to that person. They're not having to figure out each time who's doing the Benny change workflow. It's automatically routed to the person on your team who handles the Benny Got change. Got it. So that executes the tasks and you automate the tasks and those tasks then get added to the appropriate person's calendar right? Is that sort of how you step through this contact task calendar pipeline and account, right? Exactly. And so those core functions we introduced to the team kind of in bite-sized chunks and build out a standardized way for everybody to manage those responsibilities. And then like you were saying with the workflows, we use the workflows to tell everybody how to execute those requests. Nobody is responsible for memorizing how we manage the sales pipeline. We use workflows to say at this stage in the sales pipeline process, you do this. At the next stage, you do this. On the next stage, you do this. So we really use those workflows to guide the team through how the firm is going to manage the various responsibilities because it, it varies firm by firm. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot with my content that I actually, I got from a friend of mine, Ed Milet, is habits and rituals, right? And essentially you're creating like business habits and rituals. Like I have a habit and a ritual that I, I make my tea every night. I don't make it every night, but I set it all up, you know, so that every morning when the shower goes on upstairs, my wife knows she, she's downstairs. She puts the hot water on. So I come downstairs, bang, 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 it's done. I'm in and out. I wear the same, the same type of jeans, different colors. I'm automating and I'm, I'm automating and creating processes in my personal life, and it's no different in the business. And the reason I do that, and the reason an advisor should do that is because it takes the mental thinking out of operating on a day-to-day basis, which means you have more room in your brain to think about part of the other things, right? Your pipeline and your account, going after new business. So talk about, so let's jump to pipeline, for instance, right? Because what advisors want to know, all advisors want to know, I mean, look, support staff want to know, how is this going to make my life easier, right? Advisors want to know, how am I going to make money doing this, right? So talk a, a little bit about that. 
Yeah. And so I want to touch on your morning ritual for just a second, because we coach teams when logging into their CRM, there is a ritualistic component. There's five tabs that they need to open up in their CRM every morning. Can you guess what those five tabs are? Your contacts, your calendar, your pipeline, your activities, and your accounts, right? So that every morning when you log in, you know, if someone calls in or somebody has a question, you're not fumbling through your database to figure out what you're looking for. Or you could be neck deep into something and someone asks you a question and you need to jump into another page. And I've done so much training with teams and I see people fumble around in this so, so badly. And it's so stressful that why don't we just open up those five tabs in the morning? They're the five most common things we're going to look at and make our lives easier, <laughs> you know, save some of our, our brain space. That's a great idea. Yeah. Cause you know, cause most of them, I mean, you know, at least in the wirehouse world, but also in this world, they, they want to look at, you know, what their billing was for, you know, yesterday. And exactly. <laughs> and so by having, using your CRM as a centralized hub, it's funny because some of the advisors that I talked to don't even know if there's these five functions even exist in their CRM and they're managing their sales pipeline in Excel or some other format, which is fine. But I am a firm believer of keeping everything centralized. Everybody on your team has visibility to it. It's a great thing to review on your Monday morning staff meetings and see who's in the pipeline, where's everybody out in the process. And so we design a system to answer the question that you just asked. Who are the prospects in the pipeline, the dollar amount of the opportunity, where the opportunity came from so you can track sources of you know, referrals or new revenue for both new and existing business. Who is the advisor responsible for bringing in, you know, who's kind of the rainmaker in the relationship so that you can run reports based on those metrics, right? This one comes up too. like, I would love to be able to track, you know, not only like who's in the sales pipeline, where they're at in the process, but if we are to lose opportunities, at what stage in our five meeting onboarding process do we keep blowing it? Because we need to refine that meeting. We need to refine our deliverables. We need to refine whatever. And so by creating these systems within your CRM that are related to your sales pipeline, it makes tracking that kind of stuff possible. That's tremendous. What about, so this is an interesting point. What about processes when you bring a new client on board? Like I'll call, I'll just call it client experience processes. Do you teach them how to create client experience processes like hey when we bring on a you know we bring a new client on board this happens and this and this and this exactly so when we start the process we start with those five core competencies we get everybody very familiar with the database and then we get to jump into the bright shiny thing which is workflows and so again like i said workflows are any repeatable process one usually where we start is the new client onboarding process a very repeatable process that in my experience, a lot of advisors are constantly recreating. And so what we do is we talk about what do you want this to look like? How many meetings do you want to have? Uh, are you building the plan before they sign paperwork, after they sign paperwork? When are we, you know, when are we doing the data gathering? But essentially it's usually like a, a four or so meeting process. And let me just give you an example. We'll say they start with an introductory, you know, qualifying phone call. Then we have them in for like a data gathering discovery type meeting. Then, you know, we deliver the plan and talk about allocation and investment changes. Then, you know, we do all of the backend stuff of getting them onboarded to the custodian, getting them set up on all of our portals and creating their, their server file, all the backend stuff that goes into onboarding a new client. 
And then we have them in or do a Zoom meeting for like a new client welcome meeting, introducing them to our portals, going over their quarterly performance statement, and just getting them totally onboarded, right? Those, again, are, you know, four or five very repeatable meetings that we write workflows to help execute over and over again so that advisors aren't having to reinvent the wheel every single time they meet a new prospect. And it's a great starting point and it's a, it's a great exercise to go through because it actually, the business owner really is really having to think about the emotional piece of like, well, how do I want this to feel to the client, the new client? What am I trying to deliver here? What do I want this to look like? And then we build individual workflows for each different type of meeting that you have to allow a little bit of flexibility because not everybody follows that perfect five meeting sequence, right? If you meet with them and they've got 20 million bucks, they want to roll over tomorrow, you know, like we should be able to like jump through the process a little bit or go back or do the same meeting twice if they have their spouse. Yeah. Also it's about how complex the opportunity is. I know when I was an advisor years ago, back in the nineties, I also added I was doing some of these things, I'll say, just say by mistake, but I was doing them like this. And, you know, I, was, I didn't have an assistant, so you had to figure out how to do stuff and process automate. But I always had a, I always had a task reminder, although I was using a Franklin Day Planner that should date me a little bit, for those of us that remember what a Franklin Day Planner was, to do a 30-day follow-up to make sure right after they got their statement that I was calling them up saying, hey, listen, you got, just got your statement, want to walk through it with you to make sure you understand how to read it. And adding that, sort of adding it in there. So when I came in on a Tuesday morning, I had five names down there, just their name, but I knew like, oh, you know, statement review. That's the kind of stuff that I know advisors are missing in their day-to-day. It helps the assistants also because my guess is that most advisors are changing on the fly. The assistant doesn't know, well, what am I supposed to do this time? Because last month you told me to do this first. Now you're telling me you want this done first. You know, what it sounds like to me, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, that expression garbage in, garbage out really comes to mind. That's what I'm hearing. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Right? Because if you don't put the right data in first, you can't pull it out. And as I tell my team, like we use Salesforce, like I want to make Salesforce dance, right? Like I don't do it. I have a team that can do it, but like I know that as long as the data is in there, we can get it to do anything we want, right? So what do you see? Like, how do you help them when you're first bringing a client on board, whether they're an existing RIA or independent? I assume you work with independent broker-dealers and, and RIAs, IARs, really, right? Predominantly independent RIAs. Okay. Is there any reason for that other than just that's where your niche is right now? Honestly, some of the some of the... BD baloney, it just makes it really difficult. I actually really like working with LPL advisors. Um, but for the most part, we work with independent RIAs between, I would say, 200 to 800 mil with teams between four to 12 to 14 people. Seems to kind of be our sweet spot. Got it. So with that understanding that, listen, it's all about what does the data look like before you start? How do you get teams and I'm saying teams, right? It's actually probably more important if you're just a sole practitioner. Agreed. <laughs> right, right. But let's just say it's a team, a couple of people. Where do they even start? Like, I know we talk about contacts, tasks, and all that stuff, but what do they start thinking about? How do they start collecting data if they're going to hire you, right? Say, I'm going to hire you. Kate, I'm going to hire you. What the hell do I do first? What do you want me to do next? 
So we shepherd the entire process and we've built out a time, a timeline because we've done this numerous times to make it a very enjoyable process that we do in bite-sized chunks because it's a lot of a lot of new stuff to teams. But we start with a CRM assessment and I've got Joe on my team as a, as a data expert and we create an export of all of the contacts in your database. And we basically poke holes in all of them and see areas that we need to improve processes to obtain and maintain information better. And so if you're just an advisor and you're looking at your at your database and you're wondering kind of where you chalk up next to the, the next advisor, see how many contacts in your database are not labeled. See how many contacts don't have a status or a category you know, what, what I find the most is your brain works different than my brain. When you put somebody in the database one way, I might put them in another way. It's just the nature of the beast. And so you need to standardize. This is why it's really important to create like a contact hierarchy and establish who are the contacts in your database and how should they be labeled. And it has been, in, in my experience, at the highest level, the status that you give these contacts, you shouldn't have more than 12. Anything over 12 you run the risk of somebody in the database possibly being two. So then you run into an issue where you label them one way, I label them the other way, and then your reports are wildly inaccurate. So you need to get very clear on who are the contacts in your database and start getting them organized. Okay. With that said, what do you think the top mistakes are that you've seen? So you go in, you go in to work with somebody and they have a system and they're, you know, they have ACT. I'm not act to me. They have red tail and you know, they're saying, Hey, we got something like, you know, and then you go in, what are the biggest mistakes or areas of opportunity you see that they're not doing that based on your experience, you're able to go in and just tweak some things. What are those tweaks? Well, so I kind of mentioned this in the beginning, advisors pile on too much technology and they're not really using any of it very well. They don't have the foundation in their CRM or they're just no fault of their own. They're just not familiar with the functionality that's available to them. So they pile on additional technology that they think they need to solve whatever operational issue that it is. And it's just it's for the team. It's very hard. Let me give you this example. So the name of the business is Simplicity, right? So we try to take a simplistic approach of managing operations and not piling on 10 different systems to figure out what you're working on. Some teams, you know, have Asana for their tasks. They have, you know, Redtail for contacts. They have Outlook for their calendar. They've got Slack for their direct messaging. Like, wow, that's entirely too many places to have to figure out what you're working on today. <laughs> or if client calls in and says, hey, where are we at on this? I'm having to go to five different systems to figure out where are we, where are we at on this. That's why having a centralized hub in your CRM is so important. So that everybody on your team knows exactly what's expected of them. Priorities and expectations are set all, you know, within one place. And most, you know, most of the teams that we work with truly are teams. And in order to be able to operate as a team, you need to be able to see what other people are working on and be able to pick up where somebody else left off in the case of an absence or a termination or whatever. And that's really hard to do if you've got post-it notes for tasks and, and five different places where, where you're having to go to figure out what's going on. Got it. Okay. Now, this is a, a sort of the last question. And I sort of wanted to take you through this timeline, right? Of operating the business. Then it was sort of building the business. We're talking about prospects and efficiencies, giving you more time. I believe that having processes in place when you're looking to sell your organization actually increase the value of your business because 
there's a higher likelihood of replicating the revenue, retaining clients, all of those good things when you transition from one, one firm to another. How have you seen that impact with your clients, if any? I don't, I don't know if you've gone through that with any of your clients where they've transitioned to a, whether they've rolled up into another, a bigger RIA or just sold or whatever. How have you seen that impact with your clients? Yeah, I've worked with clients that have uh, merged businesses. And it also holds true if team members change. And so by standardizing the way your team operates and having these systems in place, it doesn't really matter who's doing the work. The people can change. The, the management can change. As long as the systems are in place, your clients are never going to feel, feel the change. You know, nothing's going to slip through the cracks. Again, you're not having to reinvent the wheel. And it, it makes for, you know, selling your practice and, and merging practices and, and taking on new team members possible. Yeah. And so, you know, the message to advisors out there that are, are saying to themselves, listen, I'm retiring in a couple of years anyway. What do I need to go through this hassle for? It's this is exactly why you need to go through this hassle. And I'm not saying hassle that it's a hassle. It's worth it's worth all the time in the world. But if you're thinking about selling your practice or transitioning or transitioning to a, a the younger generation of your practice, and your compensation is tied to retention of, and future revenue, it's why you need to be doing this right now ahead of time. And I'll give you a perfect example. A lot of the teams that we work with intend to meet with their clients on a proactive basis, right? Let's say they meet with their top tier clients quarterly, the next tier, you know, semi-annually, then annually, and so on and so forth, right? Regardless of who's delivering that experience, the client is now conditioned to be met with at some sort of regular cadence, right? So by setting that up in the database, in your CRM, Again, if I pass my book off to you or my business off to you, all of that is already set up. So my clients are not even going to notice. Again, the clients don't care who solves their problem. They just want their problem solved. And so you need to have those systems in place to continue solving their problems, regardless of who on your team solves the problem. Right. And I know we're talking about Redtail and Salesforce and all that stuff, but the reality is if you're using Black Diamond, for instance, right, there's reporting in there. So part of this having the systems talk and work together is so that if you have those those regular quarterly meetings with your clients and they're and they're scheduled in your CRM and your contact that your black diamond reporting is producing those those reports at the same time so you're not having to like oh wait a minute I have the meeting but now I got to go back to black diamond I got to produce a report so all of these systems are there and advisors need to know that they are there there's some really smart people that built these systems. They just need someone smart to help them. So, which gets to my question about you, and this is sort of the last question. So I appreciate your time. I respect that. And everybody listening, there's so much more we could talk about, but. I could do this all day. We got it. I know. I don't, I, that's the problem I have sometimes. How does a client, this is not the, like, how do, how do you work in their CRM and, and Redtail, but how does a client engage with your company? Are they paying you? Are you with them monthly? Are you just coming in and setting it up and they're charging you one fee? Like. What does it look like for if I'm hiring you to help you with my systems? Yeah, good question. So like I mentioned earlier, we start with the CRM assessment and we basically put together a big data export poking holes in their system. And then I put together a plan deliverable like, hey, if I were you, if this was my firm, these are the systems that I would put in place. We basically give them a plan, a plan of action. And you know they pay $3,000 for the plan. And so it's theirs. If they've got somebody on their team that's operationally minded, they're welcome to take it and put that plan into action. 
Most teams at that point hire us for a six-month engagement, and we take them through, you know, starting with the organization of the contacts and then getting into our five core competencies um, and introducing these topics in bite-sized chunks again to ensure mutual adoption by everybody on their team because that's, you know, super key. And all Training and all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And so we, we, we introduce the topics, we train the entire team, we implement all of the systems, all of the workflows, all of the automations, all of the additional, you know, integrations, and then we teach the team how to use it. And then once we wrap up at the end of the six months, the team has a very good understanding of the, the functionality and, and how the systems operate. And then we work with them on an hourly basis going forward. If they need additional support, we work with them hourly. But it's basically a, a six-month you know, deep dive engagement with a, a standing weekly hour call where we introduce the topics and collaborate and talk shop and, and build out processes and procedures. Awesome. And where do they go to find information on, you call it Simplicity Ops, but it's I guess that's a short, yeah. short version of the name. Yeah, Simplicity Operations is our website. You can check us out there, get some more information on what it is we do, who we serve, and you're welcome to reach out. There's some additional resources on there. Again, some of those uh, organizational documents you can download, start working on cleaning up your database. And then if you would like some additional assistance, please schedule a call with us. I'd, I'd love to talk to anybody that would like to get the most out of their CRM. All right. What's your phone number that they can call you at and your email? My email is Kate at simplicityops.com. And they have somebody, a main contact they can call you at? Yeah, 858-602-8533. And it's it's all on our website. Got it. Awesome. Kate, thank you very much. I I really appreciate it. This is a a topic that most advisors just, you know, they don't want to pay attention to because they don't think it's directly tied to dollars and cents. But in reality is it's exactly tied to dollars and cents. Maybe the most important thing because it's going to give it's going to give them the opportunity to expand their business and and the one thing I'll final word here because I, I mentioned it to this team when they left yesterday because I was trying to have them convince them that they needed to hire a, a chief operating officer and he kept saying well yeah well, when we're ready to make that you know that expense he kept calling it an expense well we're not ready for that expense yet I said listen first thing you need to do is stop calling it an expense and you need to call it an investment in yourself because it's a huge difference in language and mindset because if you can get somebody to, to take all those things off of your plate, you can then go out and bring in more business. So it's an investment. Yeah, I could not agree more. Well said. So I mean, I'm passionate about that part of it and it's really important. So listen, I, this is awesome. I really appreciate it for my audience. I hope it was educational for you as well. I always try to make these as educational as physically possible. I think we hit, we hit the ball out of the park here. So, Kate, I appreciate it very much. Thank you again. And I hope you get some people that call you and and need your help because I know that they do. So, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.